You're listening to the Hudson Valley Region Podcast, an official podcast of the New York City Church of Christ, teaching and worshiping God in the beautiful New York State counties of Orange and Rockland. Today I want to continue the idea that we started last week of Here Am I, Send Me. This idea of men and women stepping up and stepping out for the Lord, using uh, the short little life that we have to display the power of God to other people. I want to read to you from 1 Samuel 17, the story of David and Goliath. Now, most of us, I know, are familiar with this story, but if you're not, let me give you a little background before we read. The good guys, the Israelites, had squared up with the bad guys, which were the Philistines, and they were, they were, they were lined up to do battle, kind of like the Super Bowl today. You got the good guys, right? The Atlanta Falcons on one hand, and then you got the, the team of the devil, which is the New England Patriots, right? Yes. Amen. Preach it. Uh, sermon over. Let's go ahead and pray. Amen. All right. Well, you know it's true. Look in your hearts. You know it's true. So you got the people of God squared up against the Philistines, and the battle has come to a, a, a stalemate. It's stalled. But, in this story, a person of faith enters the picture. His name is David. And everything changes. Let's read together in 1 Samuel 17, beginning in verse 4. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. He was over nine feet tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. That's a 125-pound coat he was wearing. And on his legs, he wore bronze greaves, and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels, which is about 15 pounds. His shield-bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, will he become? we will become your subjects, subjects, but if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistines said, This day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight together, fight each other. On hearing this, the Philistine words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. And then David enters the scene. His father sends him, skipping down there to verse 20. It says, Early in the morning David left the flock with a shepherd, uh, with a shepherd loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle position, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines, facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines, and greeted his brothers. As he was talking with them, his brothers, Goliath, the Philistine champion, from Gath, stepped out from the lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. When the Philistines saw the man, they all ran from him in great fear. Now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. 
The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his father's family from taxes in Israel. David asked the men standing near him, What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? They reported to him what the king what had been said uh, what they had said had been saying and told him this is what would be done for the man who kills him. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and he asked, "Why have you come down here? And with whom do you leave those few sheep in the desert?" I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Now what have I done, said David? Can I even speak? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. And the men answered him before what David said was overheard and reported to Saul. And Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart. On account of this Philistine, your servant will go up and fight him. First point, if we are to be men and women who are to make a difference with our lives, we've got to step out of the crowd. We've got to step out of the crowd. You know, when David arrived, what was the condition of the crowd? What were some of the characteristics? Well, in verse 11, it says they were dismayed and terrified. In verse 24, it says there was great fear. In verse 28, there was suspicion, anger, and even a little bit of sarcasm. And those were the people of God. That was the condition of the crowd. But David, David steps out of the crowd. And David brings hope, and he brings faith, and he brings confidence, and he brings heart. In fact, verse 32, David says to the king, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. You see, if we are going to be men and women who are going to make a difference with our lives for God, one of the first things we got to be willing to do is this. you got to step out of the crowd you got to step out of the crowd. Let me ask you this question. How do you distinguish yourself by your faith? Do you let your faith distinguish you? Or are you just another negative voice in the crowd? It's so easy to be negative, isn't it? It's easy. It's almost our default mode, right? It's like it really almost takes no effort to be a negative voice. But do you distinguish yourself from the crowd by your faith? When the world is wallowing in its fear and its doubt, do you wallow too? It's easy to wallow. I mean, just turn the news on for a moment, right? Right? You can look at current events. Maybe politics, whatever it is, whatever, whatever is out there, there's plenty of stuff for us to wallow in fear and wallow in doubt. Do you wallow too or are you the light of the world? Are you the salt of the earth? Are you the city on the hill? Are you the hope in a dark place? Listen, man, 
and woman. <laughs> we're going to be people of faith. Like David, you first got to just step out of the crowd. You got to be willing to be different. You know, I got to tell you, it's not as hard as you think to distinguish yourself. It's really not. My wife was sharing with me an article she read in the newspaper recently about a new cafe that just opened in Manhattan. A new cafe, and it's different than any other cafe in Manhattan. You know how? You know how? They don't offer Wi-Fi. That's their thing. A cafe with no Wi-Fi. The whole point is you got to talk to people. you got to go, and you got to talk to people. Now, listen, a business without Wi-Fi, if you're as old as I am, is called 1995, right? But today, today, you can go anywhere and get Wi-Fi. And they've distinguished themselves by saying, no, you're going to have to talk to each other. I was talking to a brother here in our fellowship recently. Recently, and he was at the store buying supplies for a, an event we had just recently. And as he was as he was in the store buying a lot of uh, supplies for our teen event that we just recently did, uh, he he's gotten a conversation with the guy in line behind him, right? And and the person behind him started talking to him, and just in the conversation, they were talking about mints, right? He had a bunch of mints there, and they and in the conversation, the brother just mentioned the word church, and the guy said, "Church." You go to church? Can I come to church? What is your, where's your church? And so they began to talk and, and share and, and, and the brother talked to him a little bit and he, the brother gave him his phone number and the guy later called. And not only did he call, but the guy ended up bringing his girlfriend or his wife, brought somebody with him and they came to Bible talk just a couple days later. And all the guy did was be there and say the word church. My point is this. Sometimes we're terrified about distinguishing ourselves. It's not as hard as you think. Honestly, because the world's standards are just so low. You could just be nice to people. And people are like, whoa, what's wrong with you? What do you want? What are you after? No, I'm just being nice. I'm just talking. It's not as hard as you, you think to distinguish yourself. So my question for you today is this. Are you a thermometer or a thermostat? You've heard that before? A thermometer reflects the temperature of the room. It just tells you, oh yeah, it's 70 degrees. But a thermostat sets the temperature of the room. Which one are you? Do you just reflect what's around you? The anger, the bitterness, the hatred, the doubt, the fear? Or do you change the temperature in the room? By being a faithful man or a faithful woman. This is what it means to step out of the crowd. Listen, I'm not talking about being religious. I'm not calling you to be weird or goofy or awkward. I'm calling you to be faithful. I'm calling you to be hopeful. I'm calling you to be helpful. I'm calling you to see what's good when everybody else sees what's bad. That's what I'm calling you to do. That's what David did in this scenario. He came in with nothing more than faith. And it changed the whole scenario. Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14. Jesus says it very simply this way. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But 
small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. Listen, the crowd is going the wrong way. If you don't want to be a part of the crowd, you got to step out and you got to find the narrow way. If we're to be men and women of faith, we got to step out of the crowd. But not only do we need to step out of the crowd, the other thing we got to do is this, is we got to step up for the Lord. You got to step out of the crowd and then you got to step up for the Lord. Let me go back to our story here at 1 Samuel chapter 17. So David talks to the king. They get together his gear and they have a, a conversation. And then David goes out to fight Goliath, picking up there in verse 41. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, as many of us men of God are. And he despised him. <laughs> ruddy, I meant. Ruddy means red. It means red. That's what, okay. He despised him. Oh, well, the other part, I'm clearly, obviously, you got that meant. And he despised him. Verse 43, he said to David, am I a dog? that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said. I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, David said, this day the Lord will hand you over to me and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Today, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord says, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. At the, at, at, as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. Wow. You got to step out of the crowd and then you got to step up for the Lord. You know, David didn't just leave something. He went to something. Do you understand the difference? He wasn't just about being different than others, but he was about being like God. He wasn't just stepping out of the crowd for the sake of stepping out of the crowd, but he was about stepping up for the Lord. Look at verse 46 again. It says, he says to Goliath, this day the Lord will hand you over to me and I will strike you down and cut off your head. Today I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. His goal wasn't just to fix some sort of injustice that was going on. His goal was to make the greatness of God known. 
You see, if we're going to be men and women of faith, it's not enough just to step out of the crowd. That's where it starts. But we've got to step out of the crowd and then step up for the Lord. Listen, a godly person understands that it's always about God. It's always about God. Listen, if you go back and, and, and look at this passage, the only character in this story that mentions God is David. Saul never mentions him. Uh, Eliab never mentions him. Goliath certainly doesn't. Well, Goliath mentions your gods in a sort of a defiant way. But nobody brings God into the scenario except one person. David. God's never mentioned until David arrives. That's what a godly person does. A godly person understands that it's always about God. You know when you sit down with that brother or sister and say, bro, you really got to make some changes in your life. And they're like, well, you know, I'm just working on some stuff, you know. No, bro, you need to change. Well, you know, I'm just sort of exercising my options. No, you're disobeying God. You need to change and become like God. A disciple makes it about God because that's what it's about. It's about God. A disciple says, what does God want here? I'm going to do it. I'm not going to debate with you or argue with you or discuss with you. We're just going to figure out what does God want and we're going to... Now, now don't get me wrong. I will debate. You know, I, I'd love to hear your thoughts. I'm not, you know, amen. Appreciate your thoughts. But a disciple makes it about God. It's about God and about being, obeying. In fact... David goes even further in verse 47 and spells it out even clearer. Let me read this to you again. Verse 47, all those, David goes on and says, all those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's. And he will give all of you into our hands. David had a secret understanding. A special understanding that I think we forget sometimes. And that is this. The battle is the Lord's. The battle isn't yours. The battle isn't mine. The battle belongs to God. You know, the truth is, this fight that we're in, the spiritual battle, the spiritual battle that we go through, it's really not you versus Satan. It's really God versus Satan. That's the battle. You and I just happen to be the battlefield. Right? We're the, we're the place where the battle takes place. In fact, it is a battle for us. That's what the battle is. But it's not between you and God. And it's not really between you and Satan. It's really between God and Satan. And you and I have been included in this because we are the battle. Now, I understand we fight against Satan. I understand that. And we do that. But it's really a battle between God and Satan. And David understood that. We are just the battlefield. And when you understand that, when you understand the battle is not yours, but it's God, it gives you this degree of confidence. If you remember back in the old, old days, back when people had telephones only at home, remember those days, right? And they were usually connected to the wall in some fashion, right? Either, either you know, on a desk with a cord, or literally some of them were actually on the wall, right? You remember those those old days, right? Well, if you remember, if you're old enough, you remember back in those days when you had a phone at home, you had to buy, you had to get service. And usually you got local service, which means, you know, you, you could make local phone calls and you could call people within your area code and, and it was fine. It was great. But the problem came when you called someone outside of your area code or what they called long distance calls, right? And you had to get then a long distance service. And if you remember back in the olden days, long distance companies used to fight 
for your service. Do you remember those days? There were, there were companies like, it was AT&T and Verizon and uh, Sprint, I think, or MCI. Do you remember that one? Yeah, that one, it was, I think that, there were these, right, there were these, and they would, they would fight, they would battle for your long distance service. And then one of the companies, I don't remember which one, but, you know, they had all their different techniques. They would offer you discounts, and our discounts are better than this company, and this company, we have better discounts than this. There was one company that their, their, this plan was brilliant. They just sent you a check, a hundred dollar check. I, I don't know if you remember this, and maybe you didn't, maybe this was just me, but they would, they send you a hundred dollar check, and if you cashed it, it's said in the fine print, if you sign it on the back and endorse it and cash it, you get 100 bucks. But you're also signing over your long-distance carrier to this company, whichever one it was. I forgot. And But it wasn't binding. There was no long-term contract. So I came up with the brilliant idea is when I got the $100 check, I would sign it over, cash it, use their long-distance for you know a month or so, then switch back to another company and then wait for the next check to roll in. And it worked. They would send me another check. I'd switch over and be like, ah, you know. But, but one time, one time in particular, I was in the middle of a phone call. It was an important phone call. I don't remember the content. I just remember it was an important phone call. Because I, 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 on my call waiting, I was getting another call. I was getting, someone was beeping in. So I told the person, I said, hold on, I'm sorry. I'm getting, I'm getting another call. Can you hold on? And I switched over, and it was a very happy voice that said, Hi is this Phil? I said, yes. And he said, we're with such and such a long distance company. And we're wondering, are you happy with your long distance service? And I immediately realized it's a sales call and I didn't have time. I was on the other line and I needed to get back to this call. So I just said to the guy, I said, listen, I'm busy right now. You send me a check for a hundred bucks and I'll switch over. And the guy goes, the happiness was all gone. And he said, how about 75? I said, deal. Send it. Thanks. Click. And I went back over. Listen, my point is this. The battle wasn't between me and MCI or me and, and AT&T or me and, and Sprint or me and Ver- The battle was between Verizon and Sprint. and AT- They were the ones doing the battle. I was just the battlefield. And when I understood that, it gave me confidence. It gave me confidence. Hey, you want my business? Just write me a check for a hundred bucks and I'm yours. All right. I can do that. That's the same. Not exactly the same, but it's a similar comparison to the spiritual battle that we're in. Listen, the battle is against God and Satan. You're just the battlefield. And here's the difference between my long distance illustration and God. God won. He already won at the cross. The cross was the victory. It was the last spike in the coffin that put Satan out of his ministry. Yes, Satan is still squirming and he's trying to come back and he's trying to get your soul. But God won. And if you remember that, if you remember the battle is the Lord's and he's already won, it can give you confidence. You can ask bold prayers. You can say, God, please help me with this. Help me overcome this. Show me. God, give me some victory in my life. Because we understand that what David understood, and that is this, the battle is the Lord's. Are your good works self-centered? Or like David, do you run to the battle for the glory of God? Do you run to the battle for the glory of God? If we are to distinguish ourselves, if we're to be men and women of faith. We've got to step out of the crowd 
and we've got to step up for the Lord. You know, I'm a history fan. And in 1776, 1776 was the first full year of the American Revolution. And in a lot of ways, it was a great victory for the American Revolution. A bunch of men got together and wrote down a declaration declaring their independence from from the tyrannical king that they were under. But it it wasn't just a, a, a it wasn't only a good year, but it was also a bad year. It was a bad year militarily because because the Americans had defeat after defeat after defeat. If you know your history at all, you'll know that that year the British sent over 30,000 troops to New York City. They landed in the harbor. They they uh, they landed actually in Brooklyn and they chased the Americans from Brooklyn over into Harlem. I'm sorry, over into Lower Manhattan, from Lower Manhattan up into Harlem, even up into Westchester County. They came back, crossed over the Hudson River, captured Fort Lee, which was actually a fort at that time, and then chased the Americans all the way through New Jersey, all the way almost to Pennsylvania. All of that over one year time. For George Washington and the American troops, the first year of the American Revolution militarily was a disaster. I mean, it was defeat after defeat after defeat after defeat. But during that time, a man named Thomas Paine wrote a thing called, uh, called Common Sense. And it's one of my most favorite non-biblical quotes that are out there. And I think that it applies to us as we are trying to distinguish ourselves as men and women of faith, as we're trying to step out of the crowd and step up for the Lord. It, 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 it applies to you and I, and let me read it to you today. It says, These are the times that try men's souls. The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will in this crisis shrink from the service of their country. But he that stands it now deserves the love and thanks of man and woman. Tyranny, like hell, is not easily conquered. Yet, we have this consolation with us, that the harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. If we are going to be men and women like David, if we're going to be men and women who distinguish ourselves by our faith in God. Let us bring glory to God by stepping out of the crowd and stepping up for the Lord. Thank you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Hudson Valley Region podcast. For more information about our ministry or to attend a church service, please visit our website at hvregion.com.